Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Let's give it up for Pastor Jerry Hunt as he comes and blesses us this morning. Don't you just love that guy? He's so lovable, man. He's my friend. I didn't knock on his window, though, and jump on the hood of his car. I just, he's just always been my friend. And I thank God for your pastor and his wife, Kelly. We appreciate you so much. God is good. Amen. Amen. And the rest of it goes all the time. You're right. I know how that one goes. Yeah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's even better to be the house of the Lord. Did you know that's what you are? You know, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I guess I overdressed. I didn't know it was casual Sunday. I didn't get the memo. But I did wear my Mother's Day suit. This is my mo- I bought this for Mother's Day. Do I look all right? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, no, I really bought it for Mother's Day. I, I, uh, my, I'm, I'm not a mother, but I, but I bought it for Mother's Day, and, and I, I, I figured the better I look, the happier Karen is. So I bought it for her. So it was com- a completely selfless move. Not, not a selfish bone in my body, but boy, I sure like doing it. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be here this morning, and I'm glad that I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, and I think that we've been shaken a little bit. And I'm going to try to keep you awakened, all right? I, I, I promise not to preach more than an hour and a half. And I can tell you this. I can tell you, I have to go home right after this meeting. I'm sorry to do that. I wish I could hang around a little bit longer. I always enjoy coming down. I really do appreciate your hospitality uh, for my wife and myself. Being here with you today is a joy. But I do have to run back after the service today because I have a funeral I have to do Tuesday morning of a gentleman that just passed away while I got down here. And, uh, but the, the best part of that is I know where he is. He's with Jesus, and he's where I'm trying to get to. And uh, I want to speak to you this morning on the same subject of being shaken. And the book of Acts, chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. We talked Friday night about one of the common denominators of the shakings that were going on. If you weren't here, we talked about the shaking that happened on the day of Pentecost. We talked about the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 31, where it says, And when they prayed, the place was what? shaken where they were assembled together. We talked about the fact in Acts chapter 12 that Peter was in jail and an angel came and slapped him upside the head. The chains fell off, right? He got out of that prison and the Bible says that the church was in prayer for him constantly. And friends, it was prayer that was the common denominator that took place before the shaking. And if we want to see our society shaken, we're going to have to see the church shaken first. It's got to be us first, because if we haven't been shaken, how can we shake up some society where we haven't had it happen to ourselves? Paul and Silas were in jail, and the Bible says that the earthquake came and shook the place. 
But the Bible says before the earthquake, it says that when they, it says that they had prayed and sang praises. The common denominator before every shaking was prayer. Common denominator number one, prayer. Common denominator number two, Pentecost. And I will not let go of this. This is an exciting thing for me. Because I see that the common denominator number two was Pentecost. Let let me just put it this way. When they prayed, the place was shaken. Let me ask you this. Why did they pray? Why were these people praying in Acts chapter 4? Because they were being persecuted. And why were they being persecuted? Because in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there came a sound from heaven that filled the house where they were sitting. And they were all changed because they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. And ever since that day, the whole place was stirred up to kingdom come. And it was never the same after Pentecost. Do you know what Peter was like before Pentecost? He denied Jesus three times. When Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, Peter grabbed and said, oh, no, you're not. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Before Pentecost, Peter says to Jesus about John. And what about this man? What shall he do? I'm going to remember that. And what shall he do? Before Pentecost, he denies Christ. Before Pentecost, he looks at John and says, what about his ministry? What about his ministry? Before Pentecost, he was concerned about somebody else's church. But you notice after Pentecost, Peter's willing to die for Jesus. After Pentecost, he doesn't care about John's ministry. He's got a ministry with John. After Pentecost, things are totally different. That doesn't mean he's not human. That doesn't mean he's not, that he's perfect. But it means that he has been endued with power from on high. Things begin to change. These men on the day of Pentecost were awakened to the source of their newfound ability, and everything changed. Do you know what will change us? Is the power of Pentecostal experience. I want to encourage this church to remain and continue to be Pentecostal. It's part of my heritage. Jesus said it would happen, you know. He said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll show you things to come. He'll take of mine and show it unto you. He said this in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You know the verse. And you shall receive what? Power. Power. That's ability. You shall receive power when? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me where? In Jerusalem, right? And what? Judea. And what's the next one? Samaria. And then the next one? The uttermost part of the earth. That's what Jesus said. And guess what? It happened. And friends, if it happened then, it can happen now. I want to tell you, friends, I am Pentecostal, and I'm not ashamed to say it. What church do you go to? I'll go to that church over there. Friend, it's Pentecostal. You people speak in tongues? Mm Mm-hmm. You see, Jesus said, and you shall be witnesses. Pentecost will change your character. It'll help you to be what you are supposed to be, to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. We know how to talk big. In fact, before Pentecost, Peter talked big. But after Pentecost, he did big. After Pentecost, it was a totally different thing. Friend, it was Pentecostals who turned the world upside down. 
It was Pentecostals who prayed and sang and the earthquake came. It was Pentecostals who looked death in the face and had something to say to it, not just something to say about it. What do you say to death? What did Paul say? Oh, death, where is your what? Sting. Do you know what enabled these men to say that? It wasn't their mother-in-law. It was Pentecost. It was God filling them with the Holy Ghost. And when they were filled with the Spirit, they could look death square in the face and say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Pentecost will do that to you, my friend. I'm Pentecostal, and I'm still going to be Pentecostal till Jesus comes. Friend, it was Pentecost that shook Azusa Street and changed society. It was Pentecostal revival that shook Wales and closed the bars and closed the theaters and closed the soccer fields. And they had to change the donkeys and the horses in the, in the coal mines because they only understood cuss words. Did you know that? Because after the miners got saved... They wouldn't cuss anymore. Of course, Christians now can do that, I guess. Am I getting close to home? What makes me a little saddened is that Christians don't seem to be convicted as much as they used to be. And I want to tell you one of the reasons is we've gotten away from, from falling in love with the one who died for us. But Pentecost will help you fall in love with him even more. We want to shake society, don't we? Do you agree that things were never the same after these men were baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and I was 12 years old. No kidding. Do you know there's free refills? I remember when I was a kid, we used to have to buy every Coke we ever had at the restaurant. Remember that? My mother would only let me have one. But boy, thank God for McDonald's who changed it to you can get as much as you want. Friend, I want to tell you, it's the same way it is with Jesus. He'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And friend, he died on Calvary for that. And when he filled you, he wants to fill you again and again and again and again and again and again. Why? Because there are new problems, new emergencies, new situations that you're going to need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost for. Friend, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. But when they got to Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought they already had that. Yeah, but they needed it again because they were being persecuted. And friend, if you're going to shake society, get ready for persecution. But if you're going to have persecution, you better have some power behind you and in you to take care of it all. Because I will tell you this, greater is he. I said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I do not fear death. That's liberating. I'm a little concerned how I might die, but I'm not afraid to die. (laughs) The first one concerns me, but but friend, know this. It only going to hurt for a minute. (laughs) 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. He took my pain. He took my suffering. He tasted death for every man. So the Christian will never die. Because in him, he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm here to tell you, we need Pentecostal preaching. We need to encourage our pastors. We need to encourage our people. Remain Pentecostal because that is the ingredient that's going to shake this society. Because it's exactly what did it here. Praise his holy name. I want to be so on fire for Jesus. Thanks, man. I like you. I have always liked you. I don't even know it. (laughs) No, I do. I do. (laughs) I want to be so on fire for Jesus, Phil. I want to be so on fire for the Lord that when I wake up in the morning, I want the devil to say, OMG. I'm learning how to text. Can anybody tell? I know what LOL means. You know what that means? Lord of Lords! That's what it means. That's what I thought it meant. I want the devil to say, oh no, he's up. (laughs) Is that what you want? Don't you want the devil to say on a Sunday morning, oh no, Heartsease is up. I'll tell you what's going to do it. It's going to be Pentecostal experience. You see, when, when, when Pentecost came, it dealt a blow to the devil that he has never recovered from. And one of the things we forget is our Pentecostal roots and heritage. All anchored in the word of God, Acts chapter 2. I thank God for Pentecost. And I thank God for Pentecostal preaching. We need to get back to the Pentecost of the book of Acts. What are the ingredients of a Pentecostal church that's going to shake this world for God? You know, we've talked about prayer, but now Pentecost. Pentecost will be one of the things. Jesus said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me all over the world. I find these ingredients in Acts chapter 3. T- turn there with me, Acts chapter 3. I know you're there already. I know my time is limited, but you know what? I got news for you. I cannot see that clock. I can't even see you. <laughs> I got these glasses. These are reading glasses, so you're a little blurry to me. But the older I get, the clearer you're getting. So anyway, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. You guys doing all right? You're not bored to death, are you? Don't raise your hand. All right. I couldn't see it anyway, and I'd feel bad. All right. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, the first ingredient of a Pentecostal church that will shake this world. This is an ingredient of Pentecost. What do you mean? These are Pentecostal men on their way to do something. What are they on their way to do? Someone help the boy. Pray. They're going to the temple to pray. You know what I see about these two men? It says, I'm going to read it again. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. The first ingredient of a Pentecostal church, if you want to continue to shake this society, remember this, keep your spiritual priorities in line. Well, how do you know they were keeping their spiritual priorities in line? Because they went to church at three o'clock in the afternoon. 
3 o'clock in the afternoon? Who would go to church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Some people just sitting down ready to watch the ball game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I see two men here who had their spiritual priorities. Do you know what? The pastor so, so excellently said it last night. Wasn't that good last night? He said, if you get this. Remember what he said? If you get this. I can't say it the way he said it. If you get this, it'll shake you. If you get this, he said, it'll shake you. Well, I want to tell you this. If you get this, it'll shake you and wake you. And apparently John and Peter got it. Let me ask you, are you getting it? You know, our spiritual priorities are so important. You know, they didn't wait for the moment to hit them. They were going to church at the appointed time, the time of prayer. How many would say that's a guy that has priorities in line? I mean, for me, after I eat lunch, I'm already ready to take a nap. Especially when you eat a high-carb lunch. How many know you're gone? You're gone. But these guys said, no, we are Pentecostal. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are witnesses of Jesus. It's time to pray. I can hear Peter maybe saying to John, do you really want to go today? The ball game's on at 2.30. John says, no, Peter, we got to go. Yeah, you're right. We have to go. Who knows what will happen on the way? You see, friend, they hadn't even gotten there yet. That's how you know they had their priorities in line because they weren't even there yet. The pastor said last night, and I, and I was glad that he said it. He said last night, he said, you got to just get up and do it. Just get up and go. Guess what these guys did? They got up and go. That's what they did. They went, didn't they? They, they weren't even there yet. I think it's time for us to just get up and do it. Why do you miss church so often? Just get up and go. Get up and do it. You know, if we're Pentecostals, I want to shake my will for Jesus. Hit the snooze alarm. That's not shaking anybody for Jesus. That might be calming down the devil, but that ain't shaking up the world for Jesus. I want to say this, friends. It's time for me to get my spiritual priorities in line. They got up and got moving. My professor in Bible college used to say this. He said, Jerry, you can do and not be, but you cannot be and not do. For if you are, you will. So do it because you are. Do you know you can do something and not be something, but if you are something, you always will do something? You can do and not be, but you cannot be and not do because if you are, you will. True, isn't it? A.W. Tozer, have you ever heard of him? He said this. He said, all worshipers are workers, but not all workers are worshipers. All worshipers are workers, but not all workers are worshipers. So just because people are working doesn't mean they're worshiping. But if they really are worshipers, they will work, and you won't have to pull them hard at all. What I'm trying to tell you today, friends, is Pentecost is what's needed back in the church. My pastor told me, he said, Jerry, my priorities will express my attitude toward God. And he said, the attitude of your heart towards God 
creates opportunities in God. And these guys had an attitude towards God, and they were on their way to prayer, and guess what happened? They met a lame man on the way. You know that old song as a kid? Peter and John went to pray. The meddling man on the way, he stuck out his palm and asked for an alm. This is what he did say. You don't know that song? Oh, my goodness. How old am I anyway? All right. Uh, no. See, just because, yeah, I am. Your attitude towards God establishes opportunities in God. When I think about this, and these men's attitude towards God and keeping their priorities right before God, that doesn't mean they didn't have problems. But it does mean the problems didn't have them. So I noticed that priorities have to be in line. I encourage you to keep your spiritual priorities in line. Keep the internal taken care of, and God will take care of the external. You know what? One of the reasons why rehabs and stuff like that don't work you wonder why? Because they go from the outside in. Jesus goes from the inside out. Internal condition of heart will always work its way to the outside externals of life. And the reason some of the externals aren't going so well is because the internal is not right with God. But if the internal is right with God, he'll take care of the outside. That means I don't have any problems? No, 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 no. That means the peace of God that passes all understanding will protect your heart and your mind while you go through it. That's what it means. I encourage everyone, ask the Lord about your priorities. What's the condition of your heart? Secondly, I notice this. Go to verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. How many know this real well? But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, they met a lame man on the way. This man was lame from his mother's womb. He sat at the temple for 38 years or so. He was over 40 years old. Now, Jesus walked by this guy before. Did you know that? The disciples walked by this guy before. This guy had been there for 38 years. That's a long time. So here's this man sitting there. My second point is this. The second ingredient of a Pentecostal church that shakes the world, number one is our priorities. We are men and women who know the value of going to prayer and to church, not because we get anything out of it, but because it's the right thing to do and you never know what's going to happen on the way to church. Secondly, a Pentecostal church is a preaching church. I know this is a short sermon Peter Peter preached. This This is a word from God to him. What's the word say? It says, silver and gold. This this is a short sermon. I love this sermon. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Guess what we have to do? We've got to start preaching Christ. Do you know what Pentecostals do better than just about anybody? Preach Jesus. Do you know why? Because the Bible says, Jesus said it. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will put the spotlight on me. Friend, nobody should be able to preach better than a Pentecostal anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit preaching Jesus to the lost and dying of this world and seeing them shaken for Jesus and awakened for God. And I want to say today, we need that. I want to say today, we're short of that. We have a lot of experience-oriented revivals, but not enough word-centered revivals. Word-centered revivals always last longer than experience-centered revivals. Experience-centered revivals are short-lived, but word-centered revivals are long-lived. 
Look at your history book and you'll see. We need preaching of the word. We need to have God's word preached to the masses, but also to the people of God who already know him. But notice who we're preaching to. We're preaching to men. Here it is, a man. What kind of a man? A lame man. Guess who we're preaching to? We should be preaching to people who are lame. Lame, not physically necessarily, but lame spiritually. People who are paralyzed spiritually. Pray for your pastor. Because every time he gets up and preaches, may the God that I serve anoint him with the Holy Spirit to preach to those who are spiritually paralyzed so that they can rise up and walk like Arnold was talking about. And Jesus is the one who gets the glory for it. Pray that it happens. And guess where these lame people are sitting? Outside the gate of religion. He wasn't in church. He was outside of church. Do you know that's where most people are? They're outside of religion, waiting for religion to do something for them. Religion cannot help you. Religion cannot do anything for you. Religion can only put a quarter in your cup and give you a temporary fix. But it will never solve the dilemma of your life. It'll never make you happy. It'll never make you joyful. It'll never give you peace. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And it's time for the church to walk past the gate of religion, see the lame people there, and say, I don't have silver and gold, but I got something better than silver and gold. His name is Jesus Christ, and he can take you from the mire clay and set your feet upon a rock and give you hope. That's the only way it's going to happen. I know this is a simple message, but I want to encourage this church today. Get back to it and keep doing it. When I was a kid, I thought if I could only have a skateboard, I'd be happy. Now, back then, we didn't have skateboards. We had to make our own. We took a piece of plywood and took the roller skate wheels off and screwed them to the bottom of the board. I thought I had a, a real nice thing there. Wouldn't turn. I wrecked it most of the time. But I thought if I could just have a skateboard, I'd be happy. Jesus. And I had one. Boy, I, th- I thought that was great. And then I thought if I only have a bike, I'd be happy. So I got the bike. Then I thought, what I really need is a 10-speed. I'd be happy. No, I got the 10-speed. Then I thought, if I could just have a car, I'd be happy. And so I got the car. And then I thought, if I don't have a woman to put in the car. I said, I'd be happy. I wasn't happy. No, she wasn't the one that was in the car the first time. But I thought if I could only have a woman to put in the car, I'd be happy. And I could, I could drive down the street my arm around my woman. I know, what you're, I know why you're laughing. You thought the same thing when you were my age. But it didn't make me happy. And then I thought if I could just be married, I'd get happiness. And then we think if we could only have kids, we'd be happy. Oh, brother. And so then we have kids, and guess what? We say if we could only have our own house and stop renting, we'd be happy. So we get the house, and then we say, if I could only have a house on the lake to get away from the house that we just bought, I'd be happy. And if I could only have a boat to put on the lake to get from the house I was getting away from the first house, I'd be happy and go out and fish. And how many in this room know what I'm talking about? How many in this room witness to this right now? How many young people need to hear this today, friend? Even every older person in this room. Friend, you will go on and on and on and on and on and on like that. And you'll never find joy. You'll never find happiness. Because Jesus said the, 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 the abundance of the things that you possess will never bring you happiness. Your life does not consist 
in the abundance of the things that you possess. You'll never find joy outside of Jesus. You will look and you will search and you will try to fill that void with booze, pornography, alcohol. You'll try to fill it with every activity and every noise. Do you know why some people are so noisy and they're so active? Because they can't stand to be alone with their thoughts for 10 minutes. Because they would be accused in their conscience for the way they're living. And some Christians need to turn off their radios, turn off their CD players, and turn off every other contraption that distracts you from hearing the voice of God. And if you want to shake this world for Jesus, I'm telling you right now, we've got to get back to hearing Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and Jesus is coming back again. We've got to get back to that kind of preaching. What kind of message did Peter preach? Well, I'll tell you what he didn't preach. He didn't preach silver and gold. That's what he said. said, Silver and gold have I not? Oh, nuts. You mean you're not going to tell us how we can have it all? Friend, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how good of a job my boy has. If he misses heaven. How's your boy? Well, he... He just got a new job. Well, glory to God. Is he, is he going to church? Is he serving God? Well, he just got married. I know, but is he, is he serving the Lord? Has he put, how, how's his life with Jesus? Well, he just got a new car. Hey, you guys, get real here. We call ourselves Pentecostal. I'm here to tell you, friend, when you don't know how to pray as you ought, the Holy Ghost will pray through you. With groanings that cannot be uttered. And when you pray in an unknown tongue, you pray in the will of God all the time. There's someone hearing me today. Friend, it's time for us to get back to preaching the truth that Jesus saves. Friend, we got to get back to preaching it right. Oh, man. Turn with me to verse 7. It says, and he took Peter. Peter took him by the right hand. See what he did with his lame man? He said, silver and gold have I none. What was his message? It wasn't silver and gold. Well, then what was it? It was, but such as I have, give I thee. Notice he didn't say had. And such as I had, give I thee. No, he said, such as I have. You know what's wrong today? We've got a lot of preachers preaching behind pulpits who are preaching from a past experience, and they don't have an up-to-date experience with their God. And it's a past. And what they're saying is such as I had 20 years ago. Friend, it's not the Jesus of 50 years ago or 1,000 years ago. I want the Jesus of today who lives in me and breathes in my life a word from God that will set the captives free. That's what we need. Well, why is it? What's the problem? How come there's such a problem? Why, Why is it that we have to say such as I had instead of such as I have? Wouldn't it be much better to say, such as I have? I came to you this morning with a word from God, such as I have. Friend, I want to tell you, it's alive in me right now. In fact, I feel so good about what I'm saying. I think if you all went out and left and had lunch, I'd finish it by myself. You know why I think we have problems in the pulpit? Because people I mean, and ministers aren't preaching. They're preaching from past, had, had, had. Because we've made substitutes for God. That's what we've done. We've made substitutes for God. I'll give you an example. First Samuel chapter 4, it says this, that the Israelites were having war with the Philistines. And the Philistines, I'm telling you what, they were coming after those Israelites. And you all know what happened. They, they, they went after them. And the Israelites got whooped, man, big time. 
And boy, the old Philistines were happy. They were shouting, te- sending text messages to each other, OMG, TTYL, LOL, BTW, FYI. <laughs> and the Israelites came back whooped. And they're like, what happened? And some of the leaders got together and they said, you know what happened? We didn't have the Ark of the Covenant with us. They said, oh, we better go get that baby, huh? Mm-hmm. You read in 1 Samuel chapter 4, it says, let's get the Ark. Listen to this now. Listen to this now. It will save us. That's what they said. They said, go get the Ark. It will save us. Well, you know, they got the ark, and the, and the Bible says they brought the ark into the camp of the Israelites, and guess what happened? Anybody know what happened? Man, they had a worship service. I mean, they were beating the band. I mean, it was going like crazy. Wow! Glory! Shout now! Wow! And it was so loud. The Philistines heard it. The Philistines heard it in their camp, and they start texting one another. OMG! BTW! That doesn't mean, by the way, for them that meant bad timing, Walt. But they heard the shouting, and boy, I tell you, they had the worship service in the Israelite camp, and they said, we got them now. We got them now. Whoa, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa, glory to God. Mm-hmm. Can somebody, oh, will somebody, can anybody over here? Yes, Lord. Amen. And boy, they were going like crazy. And the Philistines said, OMG. Well, that doesn't mean, oh, my God. That means, oh, my gods. Because that's the Philistines. They believed in many gods. They were texting one another, OMG, OMG, oh my gods, oh my gods, oh my gods, oh my gods. They're going to get us now. The one Philistine texted back to the other one and said, are you a man or a mouse? Yeah, that's my interpretation. Same thing. And he says, quit yourselves like men, stand up and fight. Do you know the Philistines did? They stood up and fought, and guess what happened? You would have thought the Israelites would have won, but they didn't. They lost again. You know why? Because they made the ark a substitute for God. And, friend, I want to tell you something. You can shout all you want in this place. You can scream, and you can yell for Jesus, and you can say, hip, hip, hooray for Jesus all day long. But we better be careful that we don't start worshiping Worship. We better be careful that we don't start worshiping stuff. How many remember that? How many remember that serpent on a pole? God told him to make the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it was a symbol of the presence of God. So what happened with the Ark of the Covenant? Well, let me say it this way. God was in the Ark. That's right. But that denigrated to this. God was the Ark. But then that degenerated to this. The ark was God. That's why they lost. There was nothing wrong with the ark of the covenant. There's nothing wrong with worship. But we must keep it in its proper perspective and realize that worship is a vehicle. Music and worship is a vehicle to our God. And music is a vehicle to worship also. Sometimes... I'm guilty of this. I start turning things. Not willingly, of course. (laughs) Like that serpent on a pole. God told him to make that. Did you know that? 
Do you know how long they carried that thing around? You know, when they were bitten by snakes, guess what they had to do? Look and live. Isn't that what they had to do? Just look and live, look and live, look and live. They look, one look, live. They were dying, they look and live. You couldn't look for somebody else. You had to look yourself. And you know, God told them to make that. And you know what? In its proper perspective, it was right on. But they carried that around for 700 years. Did you hear what I just said? They carried that around for 700 years. And Hezekiah, good old boy, Hezekiah, he says, you guys are starting to worship that serpent on a pole. Grind that sucker to powder. And they ground it to powder. You know why? Because this pulpit's not God. We all know that. But we must be careful that we as preachers don't start making substitutes for God in our life and start worshiping methods. Oh, you got to do it by this method. Everybody's doing it. Did you know that, Jerry? Everybody's doing it. Well, I'm not doing it, so I guess everybody's not doing it. I want to tell you, teenagers, not everybody's doing it. Don't believe that lie. I want to tell Pentecostal churches, don't believe the lie. Friends, pragmatism simply says this, whatever it takes. If it works, that means it's right. That is not true. God is a God of method. God is a God of judgment. God is a God of method. That's what the word judgment means, in case you don't know. It means God is a God of method. You know, God has a way of doing things. God has a way of doing things. Remember when old Uzzah reached his hand out to touch the ark? Remember that? And the guy died? Huh? Here's David. He's going, whoa, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, he's just having a great time. Remember that? Uzzah touches the ark. Bam, he's dead. Why doesn't David keep worshiping? Because the guy's dead. But I thought you were worshiping God. He was. But he was doing it the wrong way. And Uzzah died. Don't tell me God doesn't have a way of doing things. Don't tell me God's methods are not important. I have seen it since I was a little boy coming up into this thing. And I can tell you, Philip's been there himself. He knows what I'm talking about. Because we've both been raised in Pentecost. We've probably both seen people beating chairs to all kinds of things happening. And the glory of God coming down. But God help us when we start making substitutes for God and start worshiping those things that God never intended us to worship. You go in a church and see sometimes the founder of the church hanging on the wall as a picture. Try to take that picture down and see what happens. We must be careful that we don't start worshiping founders. That we don't start, this is just a piece of plastic. It's a beautiful keyboard, but it's just metal and plastic. I got a question for the church today. If electricity went out in our churches, what would we do? (laughs) We'd have to come and pray and sing. And we would be the worshipers. What a concept. And if you're really a worshiper, you don't care if electricity is on or off. You might be a little hot, but... Hey, I'm hot right now. Electricity's on. I hope you understand what I'm saying today. It burns in my heart. As a pastor of a church, would you pray for me and pray for our church? Pray that we would continue to remain Pentecostal. So what was his message? It wasn't silver and gold. And it wasn't what he had. But it's what he have. A current up-to-date experience with Jesus Christ. That is what will break the yoke, the anointing of the Spirit of God. i take you to the last thing. Well, there's more things. 
Time doesn't permit me. But I take you to just say two more things. Go with me to verse 19. Friend, we need our priorities in in line. We need to get back to preaching. And it has to be a current experience and stop making substitutes for God in our lives. And don't ever forget our purpose. A Pentecostal church doesn't forget its purpose. That's how we shake this place. You know that? Is by never forgetting our purpose in verse 19. What does it say in verse 19? Repent. Everybody see that? Repent, therefore, and be converted. Isn't that what it says? That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come for the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know what will shake this place? If we keep our spiritual priorities in line, when this church is open, do everything you can to be here and support this guy and his wife. Do everything you can to support one another. Get your priorities aligned. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you for Pete's sake. Is that true or not? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true. Pray for your pastor, but you know what? We're all preachers. We all must have a current, up-to-date experience with the Lord. We all can have a word from God for somebody. We all need to be waiting on God. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know, I might know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. That's why we need to be here at the hour of prayer. So that God can give you a word to speak to someone who is weary at the right time. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know how to speak, what to speak, when to speak, and to whom. That's a sermon. How does he do that? The next verse says, he wakeneth me morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Get back to priorities. Get back to prayer. Get back to preaching the word of God. And get back to our purpose. What is our purpose? Don't ever forget. And that's what I love about your pastor. Him and I have been friends for a long, long time now. And I can tell you, it seems like forever. seems like there never was a time when I didn't know him. But I always appreciate this about my brother, Philip. He gives altar calls for lost people to be saved. You know, that's sometimes a foreign thing nowadays, pastor. But I want to thank God for you, and I want to thank God that you do that when you come up here. Friend, if we have our priorities right and we're preaching right, but we forget our purpose... If we forget to say repent and be converted, we've lost our purpose. Would you agree? Oh, man, glory. we got the gifts of the Spirit operating in our church. Lame people are healed. But, friends, we can have the gifts coming. We can have the preaching coming. We can have the priorities right. But if we don't say repent and be converted, we've lost our purpose. We've got to never forget our purpose. I remember John the Baptist was a good old boy. The Bible says that he was the greatest man. Jesus said that, didn't he? Remember that? He said, there never was born of a woman greater a man than John the Baptist. Now, that's pretty good. You ever read Luke chapter 3, verse 1? It says, in, 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 the, in the day or the year of Tiberius, of Pontius Pilate, of Herod, and it named seven guys. It says, the word of the Lord came to John. In the days of this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, the word came to John. You got to be kidding me. Seven notable men you think the word would come to. No, he bypasses the notables and goes to the unnotable. John the Baptist gives him a word. He preaches it. 
And John the Baptist did no miracles. But he was the greatest man. Why? Because what he said about Jesus was true. He told them the truth about who Jesus was. And if that's all you do, friend, you have fulfilled your purpose. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Follow me and I'll make you what? Someone help me. Fishers of men. Brother Dan, you know what fishing's all about. Lake Erie in Ohio is a great walleye capital of the world. Don't throw tomatoes. <laughs> People like to fish up there. But Jesus said to Peter, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Whoa, daddy, you kidding me? I thought fishing for fish was great. Jesus was saying, you know, fishing for fish is great, but there's even a better fishing hole. It's the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Don't ever un- underestimate what you're doing for these kids in this church. Because Jesus was saying, when you fish for fish, Peter, it's a whole lot different than when you fish for men. Because when you fish for fish, you take the fish from the element of life into the boat and bring him into the element of death. But when you fish for men, glory to Jesus, you bring him from the element of death into the element of life. Yes! That's why fishing for men is so much better. Because you bring him out of the element of death into life. Friend, that's your purpose. May this church never forget its purpose. And thank God for the altar call. I believe in altar calls for one reason, and that is only because the devil doesn't. No, I believe in it also because now is the time. Today is the day of salvation, and we must never forget to throw out the net. If we don't do that, we're not Pentecostal. How many souls were saved on the day of Pentecost? How many? 3,000. How many were saved after the layman got healed in Acts chapter 4, verse 1? 5,000. Would you call that a shakeup? Guess what did it, friend? Pentecost. And lastly, I close with this. Verse 20. Number one, a church that shakes up society is Pentecostal. What are the ingredients of that church? Number one, they always remember their priorities. Number two, they preach the truth about who Jesus is on a present, up-to-date experience, not what they had, but what they have, and they don't make substitutes for God and try to give people the feeling of being in the presence of God, but they're not ever, ever in the presence of God. Friend, we must get into the presence of God, and you get into the presence of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get in. Number three, we must never forget our purpose. And number four, don't ever forget to tell people he's coming soon. It's called the parousia. The parousia, what's that? The second coming. That's Christ coming. How many believe he's coming soon? You want to shake, you know, you know what to shake you up? I mean, some, you, you look at the weather patterns. We talked about this Friday night. What's going on in the weather patterns? There was a storm here yesterday. Thank God for your prayer. For Kelly's praying. Sound just like me. But you know what? I bet every ounce of heart was in that and you meant every word of it, even though it was only one word. I want to tell you something, friends. Never forget he's coming back soon. I believe he's coming sooner than we think. And one thing that always shook me up, Pastor Philip, and probably you too, because I know who your dad is, is that when they got up and preached in their church, they preached a lot about the second coming. And they always reminded us that it could be soon, it could be soon, it could be soon, it could be soon. My grandfather wrote my dad a letter in 1946. My dad was in the army, 1946. He wrote my dad a letter, February 1946. He said, Jack, he said, keep your spiritual garments clean. 
For I believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. In fact, he said, I believe he'll be here within the next three years. I got that letter. How many know he hadn't come back yet? So, oh, he was a silly man. No, no. That's the kind of a man he's coming back for. The kind of a man who knows he could come back at any time. I came home from school. I was about 12 years old. I heard about this all my life. My dad works at home. He's a tool grinder. And he's got a garage out behind the house. And he sits back in there and he does his work back there. My mom was always home. I came home from school one day. I was about 12. I walked in the house. You know how you do. Mom, I'm home. Anything to eat? Nothing. Mom, home. Anything to eat? Started getting shook up. It didn't take me long to get shook up. You know why? Because I've been hearing it all my life by Pentecostal preachers. So finally I went, Mom, I'm home. I didn't find her. Do you know the first thing that went through my mind? Anybody have a guess? The rapture. And I went through room to room to room, and my voice started to shake. And I said, Mom, Mom, and there was nobody there. And you know what was on? That little 13-inch black and white television sitting on top of the refrigerator with something on. And the ironing board there with the iron, just like you see in that movies. And that movie, whatever the movie is. I never even watched the movie, but whatever it is. Where everybody's gone. Scared me. Scared me to death. I thought, oh, oh, my, my dad, he's probably out in the shop. He's working. So I would go, I went out in the shop and, and I heard this machine. And my dad's machines had this whining sound. It's a wheel that turns and, and he grinds tools on it. And it was whining. And I heard that whine. Wow. And I heard, oh, glory to Jesus. Thank you, God. Got that church of God jerk. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know how that is? I started getting all excited. My dad's out there. And I ran into that garage and I looked and my dad wasn't there, but the machine was running. Oh, Jesus. I want to tell you guys right now, I felt that. I feel it right now. Anybody feel it right now? Somebody go see if the kids are here. Please hurry up. Hurry up. (laughs) Is that what you do? Don't tell me. That's what you do. I know that's what you do. Is the baby in the crib, Lester? Is the baby in the crib? <laughs> and you look in the backyard and the baby's playing football. No, that's not it. But And I got scared and I, I thought, oh, no. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And I ran out the back door of the garage. and went out a little sidewalk out to the river. I didn't know where I was, what I was thinking. But we had an old garage. We had what we called the new garage, big terms. The new garage where my dad's shop was. And then the old garage where we kept all the junk. So there was the old garage. And then the sidewalk went right down by the old garage and out the back toward the river. And I ran. I was running. By this time, I was just running. And I ran and I ran and I ran. And I got past the corner of that old garage. And back in the corner, we have a flower bed. And I was running. Man, I was running. I went past that corner. And there's my mom and dad planting flowers. Thank you, Jesus. I was running like this, man. I was running. All of a sudden, I went, hey. So how you guys up to? What are you doing? What are you doing out here? They looked at me. I had this sweat coming down my face like I do now. And they looked at me as if to say, where are you going? To a fire? 
I thought, boy, you got that about right. I was, that's exactly what I thought I was doing. I was going, I was going to fire lickety split, and I didn't want to go. But you know how you are when all of a sudden you find everybody's there. All of a sudden you go, oh, well, I never was worried. You liar. You liar, liar, pants on fire. Because some of you have had that happen to you, haven't you? But I want to tell you something. I know, who, I know there are people who say, oh, don't preach that fuddy-duddy stuff. Let me tell you something. You better start preaching it, and you better start hearing it, and you better start thinking it, and you better start believing it because it's true. He's coming back. He's coming back. Did it hurt me? Did it hurt me? It didn't hurt me, friend. It kept me on the straight and narrow way. <laughs> it kept me to the point where my mom and dad, who have five boys, four of the five are in the ministry today. My dad shined our shoes every Sunday morning. He stood down in that cellar, and our feet went over the edge, just like my feet are right now, and he shined our shoes, Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry, every Sunday morning. That was a nightmare for him, I'm sure. But he shined them every Sunday morning. We had seven of us with our instruments. I play a trumpet. My brother Larry plays a trombone. My brother Harry plays a trombone. My brother Terry plays a clarinet. My brother Gary plays a, a trumpet. My brother Harry plays a trombone. We have two trombones, two trumpets, and a clarinet. My mom and dad in the front. My mom plays the organ, but we couldn't carry it with us. And we were in a Volkswagen Beetle. And we drive, we drove 35 miles one way to church before the highway systems came in. We drove 35 miles with seven of us in a Volkswagen Beetle. And when that door opened, my mother got out. My father got out. The back seat went up, and Larry got out. Harry said, Where, where'd you put five boys in a beetle? Me and Harry sat in that little hole in the back. I mean, you know what I'm talking. You know that little hole back there? We sat back there with our knees hitting each other with instruments sticking like this. And three boys sat there, my mom and dad. We made it. Don't tell me you can't make it to church. Don't tell me you can't get up early because we got to church ten minutes early every stinking Sunday. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Edit that out if you guys have that here. We do that in my church. I look at the guy and say, Kent, edit. And people would watch us get out of that car, five boys all dressed in suits, having their instruments and their shoes shined by their parents, and came to church early every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, and we didn't miss unless the creek rose. But I can tell you this, friend. I didn't remember, and I don't remember everything my dad said, but I do remember what he did. And you might not remember everything your parents say, but you remember how they lived. And people would come to church, I think, I think, I think they came to church early just to watch us get out of that car. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Who do we appreciate? No, that's a different thing. And when we got out of that car with all those instruments, that spoke more to people's lives, Pastor Philip. And I never knew that. I didn't think about that. But guess what? It did. And I always lived... Brother Dan, I lived with the thought and the knowledge that Jesus is coming soon. In fact, he tells us, why should our purpose be repent and be converted? Because, he says, Jesus Christ, which was preached before unto you, is coming back again. And I leave you with this today. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're all going to give an account of whether we ourselves were shaken and awakened and then having shaken a society for Jesus. We're going to have to give an account 
And I'm going to quote this poem to you as I leave this stage today. I may have quoted it to you before, but I'll leave it with you now. Every one of us need to never forget our purpose because he's coming back and we're going to stand before him and give an account. I put this poem to memory when I taught in Baton Rouge World Evangelism Bible College. I made my students memorize this poem for the final exam. It goes like this. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows me his plan for me, the plan for my life as it might have been, had he had his way, and I see how I blocked him here and I checked him there. And I would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief though he loves me still? He would have me rich, but I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace. While my memory runs like a hunted thing, down paths I cannot retrace. Then my desolate heart will well nigh break, With the tears that I will shed, I will cover my face with my empty hands as I bow my uncrowned head. Lord, of the years that are left to me, and you have years left to you right now. Lord, of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Why don't you? Take me, break me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. Amen. Thank you for letting us be here today. Don't ever forget Pentecost. Some of us, our priorities are way out of whack. Some of us need to wait on God and get a word from him. Some of us need to never forget our purpose. And don't forget he's coming back. We love you so much. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.